hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. We have Abby Gann on the podcast today, going to be sharing her testimony. Mm-hmm. We are stoked for that. Hello. <laughs> welcome. And Alon's going to be helping me out and asking hey, hey, Abby hey. some questions. They're besties. Bestest. You guys go way back. Buds way in back. the south. You're not even from the south. I know. As much as I wish I was. <laughs> You're a wannabe. I am. Southern sometimes, Michigan. Sometimes I approve of you being a Texan. Sometimes I don't. We're kind of birthday buddies. Her birthday oh, is yeah. November 4th and mine is November 3rd. She is like three years older than me though. My birthday is November 7th. Ooh. Welcome to the birthday buddy group. Yes. Birthday buddy bash. Than, my brother's birthday is November 4. Yeah. My neighbor's her she's like 10 her birthday is november 4 one of our students birthday is november 4 josh walter's birthday is november 7 that's my birthday there we go wow blake ryan davis his birthday is like november 14 no i thought it was seven or eight is it seven or eight it's somewhere in november it's a big november's a great year to be born yeah november is a great year to be born. it is the greatest year to be born (laughs) if you're not born in november you just don't understand it's the greatest year to be born (laughs) <laughs> it's the greatest month to be born. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that one. It's okay. But it is the greatest right. month to be born. It is. The greatest year to be born was 1992. Okay, well, I was born in 2002, so it's oh, close enough. Oh, no. Get out of here. I know. I should be in diapers. Yeah. But here we are. I'm freaked out that y'all were born after 2000. <laughs> this is I was born in 98. You're old, Alon. I know. You are old. You were born in the 1900s. You old I've fart. always thought about that, that when I have grandkids, that's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be like, you were born in the 1900s? Oh my like, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a cell phone until I was eighth grade. What? Okay, gonna, I like, didn't have a phone until I was They're going to have like, cell phones implanted into their brains by then. You know? Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be, be crazy technology. Elon Musk. The Tesla chip. Going crazy. All right, we're going to get started into this. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing it all out. Two minutes <laughs> of random. Welcome to the Access Podcast. We have Abby Gann here. We're going to hear a little bit of her testimony, which we are stoked for. Um, kind of my first exposure, not exposure, but you shared your story at One Heart Conference. I did. In, was that 2020? I, I think I yeah, forgot. it was 2020 because like a week later, COVID happened and everything shut down. That was so, so special. That was so that was special. Good. You like crushed it. I remember yeah. that was your first time ever public speaking. Yeah. And you just like brought the house down. Was, yeah. You're a senior speaking in front of like 500 people. I was people. a junior talking in front of over 800 people. Right. That was 900 people. Yeah. It 700 was students. Two wow. of those were my parents. And I found it easier to like share my testimony with like a thousand ish people than to like tell two people. Wow. And it was like. We're proud of you. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. It was really cool. But that's, you shared your story there. But mm-hmm. this is going to allow us to really, I don't know, dive a little bit deeper into your story, not mm-hmm. just do overview snapshots but to um yeah talk a little bit more about the details Mm -hmm. of your story so why don't you just get started wherever you want to start off from and then we'll kind of interject and ask you some clarifying questions all right well as said earlier i am was born in 2002 um i was born into a christian family um you know like born and raised in the same church i went to carpenter's house uh, which is like now closed down and everything but um i grew up on a garlic farm actually fun fact out in South side of Holland, Hamilton, Fillmore area. Um, and then we lived there till I was about 10, and then we moved to Granville. Um, but when I was seven, actually, I was introduced to pornography, 
with one of my friends. And it wasn't anything that was like crazy and wild. I was just like, oh, I don't know what that is. Um, And it didn't turn into addiction until I was 11 or 12 because I was homeschooled when I was um, like when I was younger. And then my parents put me in public school because like online school just did not work for me at all. Um, I was falling behind. I like failed like sixth grade or something just because I didn't know what I was doing. So we decided that I needed something a little bit more structured. And Mm -hmm. so I got put into Jenison Public Schools and I didn't know how to socialize because again, I was born into the same, like into this church and it Mm -hmm. was like, I hate to say it, but it was a click. It Mm -hmm. was like people would come and try to like get involved. But because like these families all knew each other before they had kids, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, like, okay, it wasn't super welcoming. So I wasn't really exposed to anything until I went to public school. Um, So I did not know how to socialize. I was very rude to people. Um, And it started this, like, depression in me because I didn't have any friends. Um, We were living in Granville, and I didn't have really any friends in Granville. Most of my friends were still out in the Holland area. Mm -hmm. So... Um, thus began this addiction of pornography because it was the only way that I knew how to cope Um, being the youngest like I just watched a lot of my siblings go through stuff and I was like oh I'm not gonna go through that but it was like the one thing that I didn't know Mm -hmm. whether or not my siblings were gonna like were going through it or not and so I didn't know like oh don't go down that road but I didn't even know what it was till I was like 13 and I was like oh this is bad but by then it's a year addiction and like I never knew how to stop and Like, there was, like, a moment when I was younger where I remember kind of talking to my parents about it a little bit, and I got yelled at, and I think it was their way of just, like, trying to shut it down as fast as possible. But instead Mm of doing what their intention was, it just, like, I made a almost, like, subconscious decision that I would never go to my parents about that again. Um, Super weird time. Um, By age 14, uh, so I was a freshman in high school, and my, we actually switched schools to the West Michigan Aviation Academy. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Um, and we also switched to Res Life Church. So my old church shut down. Um, I didn't go to church for like three months just because I was angry about the whole thing. I remember when you started coming to Res Life. <laughs> I remember I introduced myself to you twice. And both times you told me, oh, I remember your name. That's my wife's name. And I thought it was the funniest thing. So (laughs) there's a fun story for you guys. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was thrown into the school. um, And for those of you who have never heard of the West Michigan Aviation Academy, we call it WAMA. Um, You have a uniform. You wear khaki pants and a royal blue polo shirt every day. Closed-toed shoes, no Crocs. Um, no Crocs. No Crocs. We did have a no uniform day to raise a fundraiser for some, I don't remember his name. I think he actually went here mm-hmm. or he still goes here. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, and so they had a no uniform day and we all had to pay $5 to not wear a uniform. It was <laughs> oh my <laughs> like this gosh. was, they ran it like a business. It was, we teach ladies and gentlemen to be ladies and gentlemen. We expect maturity and professionalism first day of freshman year you spend the whole day learning how to shake a hand i mean every class we watched a video on how to shake a hand so and if you ever want to know how that goes 
just ask. Anyways, so that's besides the point. Some people do need to learn how to shake hands, though. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah. And I had a guy with a thumb ring shake my hand, and he squeezed too tight right in that nerve between your thumb and your finger, and I almost cried. It was bad. Anyways, so 14, really weird school. It pulls from, there's no middle school, so it pulls from just schools everywhere. I mean, you've got kids coming from out of state because you can get your pilot's license there by age 17. Um, So, yeah. I got there and it just it I didn't have like I had one friend but that was it and I w- was never good at making friends and I'm still not the best at it but it works. So um I like very quickly became suicidal at age 14 and I did really good at hiding it. I've noticed in high school like a lot of people make jokes about like suicide and it was just like, "Oh, haha, like oh, I'm going to go hang myself in the gym." Like, "Okay, like me too." Like mm-hmm. that's like the big joke. Um and I knew deep down inside, like, a lot of people weren't joking. And I was one of them, but I was really good at playing it off. Um, but um, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I was going through driver's training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually worked at the school for my dad. My dad was the facilities manager, so I was a custodian. And I just remember never feeling like I could do enough to make him proud. And I know it was completely um, demonic. It was just like the devil trying to get at me. But it was still a really big struggle for me at the time just because, like, that father's pride, I never really felt like I could get unless I was doing something extraordinary or just like, wow, like, she did a really good job doing this. So I never really felt like I was being enough. But again, like, with um, almost like these like goggles of like depression and suicide. I couldn't see that like, Oh, like, yeah, my dad is proud of me, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, like being like 14, 15, like you just, you can't see it. So that was a really big struggle for me. And then my sister, Audrey, whom I love dearly mm-hmm. was an easy, like straight A student. I think she graduated with like a 4.4 GPA, like easy. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> how so I saw it as a competition and just to like see if I could get hired because if I got a B my parents would make a joke like oh like okay and it was very clearly a joke but I took that personally mm-hmm. so um yeah so I really tried my sophomore year um I was in weight training for my first three years of high school it was a club that we had before school um and honestly, that really helped me out. Um, I started a job when I was 16, and I was being sexually harassed there. I was also being sexually harassed at school. And I again, I never felt like I could tell my parents anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those things that I was just like, whatever, like it's, it's life, it'll be fine, nobody will believe me. Um, yeah, so... I fell apart in the middle of Culver's after I think it was an orthodontist appointment. And my I was like, Mom, I can't go back to Spanish class. I won't do it. And she was like, what's going on in Spanish class? And there was a guy I was sitting next to. And I so badly wanted friends that this guy that was, like, touching me and, like, trying to do stuff, like, I just was like, oh, like, he just wants to be friend. He does that to everybody. He's friendly. And, like, no, he's not mm-hmm. like stop and I just finally told him what was going on and it was just like okay you can skip Spanish class and then when I got to school because my dad was the facilities manager he went to the principal 
and I was greeted at the door by security, the principal, and my dad, which is terrifying. Wow. Like, for those of you who know my dad, he's, like, six foot one, and he's, like, a big dude. Like, Mm -hmm. he's scary. Like, he's like, oh, he's a teddy bear. Mm, Not until you make (laughs) him mad. So... Um, I was actually asked by the principal, he was like, how did you not hit him? And I was just like, because I want friends? Like, that's not how you get friends, guys. So, yeah, that just, it just added to it, and it just kept going and going. And then, like, this guy at work was doing stuff, and I ended up reporting him eventually. But um, I think it was the spring, I tried to kill myself, actually, Um I just hit a point where I was so done. I was in the wrong friend group, and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I went to go drown myself, essentially, just in the worst spot possible because there was a lot of people. And I remember sitting in my car crying, and I'm holding the steering wheel screaming because I just was so over it. And I remember people walking by my car staring at me, and I was like, hmm, this is weird. Mm So, yeah, it was a lot and then when I tried to get on my car I couldn't just I couldn't move and I don't know if it was God just like holding my hands and being like no like now's not the time for you to go or if it was I couldn't muster up the guts to do it mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna just say it was the good Lord because I'm so glad I'm still here oh my goodness mm-hmm. life got so much better guys I promise it gets better mm-hmm. um so I went home, and my grandparents were actually over, and it was so hard to look in my mom's face because my makeup was everywhere. My eyes were bright red, and when I cry, like genuine tears, like the whites of my eyes are dark red, and my irises turn into like this deep blue. It's really weird. Um, So I never told them what happened until one heart when I shared my testimony. And that was really hard just to see my mom's face. I was like, I'm sorry. I should have told you. Um, So, yeah, it was a really difficult time. And I really, I wrote it all out into poetry and actually threw the book away because there was a lot of stuff in there where I was just trying to get over, like, a breakup. And I was trying to make sense of everything. And I was just a really dramatic, like, 16-year-old. But I wrote this poem. And the only thing I remember from it was like iris is so blue that the ocean was jealous because i remember looking in the mirror every night like getting ready for bed crying and just how blue my eyes were and i was like this isn't like they only turn that color when like it's just true sorrow coming out um so the next week um i was contemplating it again because it like it just never got better like within a week which is a very unrealistic expectation. Um, whole time I'm still struggling with pornography and everything, and I reached out to Kendra. Oh, I love Kendra. If you don't know Kendra Lipsch, know her. She's great. Um, and I just, like, spewed everything. I was like, this is what's going on. Um, I never actually told her about the pornography. I didn't tell anybody till I was 17. Like, that was, like, a big old secret that I was like nobody can know mm-hmm. guys you can't deal with things if people don't know don't go around like shouting it from the rooftops but you need to like get that fixed um and she really helped me out she guided me and she was like okay first of all like you need to do x y and z and then like you need to like get in your word 
change friend groups if you have to go without friends it's worth it like you don't have to have friends like yes it's lonely but god's got better things in store for you um i remember getting coffee with my ex-pastor because i was going to join the military um and he was like oh let's get coffee mm-hmm. so i ended up not joining the military um but he told me he said abby when you decide to slow down and stop looking for friends and just like slow down and build your relationship with god he, he was like abby he's got people like waiting for you mm-hmm. his hands are just covering them right now because it's not time mm-hmm. um which was awesome i really needed to hear that um and it was true. I just kind of stopped hanging out with friends. And a lot of the stuff that I did with my friends was very much out of spite of my parents. Mm-hmm. That was my big, like, teenage moment. I don't know. I used to wear, like, safety pins in my ears, guys. It was, <laughs> it was so bad. I thought I was so cool. I have photos <laughs> of it. It's just terrible. Don't wear safety pins in your ears. You don't look like James Charles or something. Um so yeah so I ended up getting in a really good friend group and it's kind of like dissipated and we've all grown up like we all graduated and got jobs and we're all friends Mm -hmm. but we don't hang out like we used to like 15 hours a day yeah because COVID hit (laughs) yeah COVID guys what a time um yeah I'm kind of a little all over the place but during the summer between my sophomore and junior year Um, I dropped friends and I really started focusing on God and I had one friend that I could not, could not let go for the longest time. Um, He was my best friend and we tried a relationship twice and both times it did not end well. Um, And I finally hit a point where I was just over it and it took me hitting a breaking point of I cannot continue my relationship with God to the depth that I want if I won't let go. Mm. Um, and I actually found a letter I wrote. So writing is my way of like spewing mm-hmm. to myself almost. Um, and it was like, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of, you can keep doing what you want, but I cannot go down that path with you. So I'm going to keep chasing after God until you figure out what you want in life. Um, And that was like the moment that I just like could like let go. And ever since then I was like, oh, like God's been showing me all this crazy stuff. It was great. Um, And I really didn't like fix, not really fix, that's not a good word for it. Um, The pornography resolution did not hit until like the summer of COVID because there was a guy I was talking to and we're actually dating right now, but I was like, I really like this guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's the guy of my dreams. Um, I don't know what to do. Like, and I was like, okay, well I need to get this fixed first before I even consider a relationship because that will come back to bite you in the butt. Um, I actually found out. So Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne was talking about a couple of weeks ago at the evening service, how every family has a bend. Mm-hmm. Um, so in his family, it was alcohol. And in my family, it's lust and, like, offense. Like, it's, like, that's my family's bend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, I, what was that? What was that Axis, like, conference? Real talk? Real talk. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. Real talk. Real mm-hmm. talk. Um, 
that really helped. So that actually happened. That was like earlier this year, wasn't it? That yeah. was in February. February, yeah. February. This year. Yeah. Beginning yeah, of this year. February, so, like three or something like that. Yeah, so um, I started talking. So back in like last summer, I started talking to people about like, this is my problem. Mm-hmm. And I found that the more that I like had someone to talk to about it and I learned like, I thought it was only guys that dealt with it. Like mm-hmm. that's like the only thing that like I grew up knowing. So like the fact that like, females had it i was like what and i remember my big breakthrough moment was alan you prayed and you mentioned something about it and i was like i don't even remember (laughs) i just like jaw dropped i was like wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) so uh yeah so i talked to kendra about it a little bit um and it wasn't like it's just it's really hard to look at people and say, yeah, like I was introduced to pornography when I was seven. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about like my seventh birthday and I was super excited to get a like fake toy gun my brother built. Mm-hmm. Like that was so cool to me. And I was like, just like the innocence at that age. Like, mm-hmm. wow, like that's, that's rough. So um, I was set free from it. And then of course, like, I'm in a relationship and I don't know how to tell them like this is what I went through um so real talk really helped me with that it really helped me to forgive myself because I was like like oh I should have known like no you're seven years old but you don't know mm-hmm. if you're not introduced to anything like that like how are you supposed to know mm-hmm. so yeah it was yeah so Melanie I totally Lords, yes, Nani Lords, love her. So we actually sat down and she told me like, okay, this is how you can tell somebody like this is what I went through without building a soul tie, because uh, that was what I really didn't want to do because it was around like the two, three month mark of us dating and it was just like, okay, like I need to tell you like this is what I've been through, um, and yeah guys definitely do it don't hide anything from them because they'll find out um and it just goes a lot better hearing it from you than from someone else because it's just heartbreaking to hear it from someone else so and I didn't create a soul tie I did it um and we actually I was just super vague and I got to go into a little bit more detail with them recently but yeah I mean uh yeah yeah I don't know where to go from there. You don't know where to go. That's where we come in. <laughs> yeah. That's where we come in. Alon, do you have any just <clears throat> questions or points of clarification from her story? Uh, not initially. Okay. So let me a- let me ask you this. So, so where, at what point would you say that you like started to live out your faith? And then, so at what point was that? Mm-hmm. So around 2019. I think it was around November-ish. Was that when you talked to Kendra? So I talked to Kendra in June. So June of 2019. And it took a couple months because I didn't, like, like it wasn't like she prayed over me and bam, I wasn't depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, She had told me, because I told her, I was like, I don't like reading. I've never liked reading. Um, And she told me, she was like, okay, if you really don't like reading, then don't go home and read the Bible right now. Which I was like, 
that is not the Christian response. Yeah, it's like, you're my youth leader. You're telling me like, not to read the Bible? Tell me not to read the Bible out in the basketball courts of church. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? And she told me, she goes, Abby, if you go home and read the Bible right now when everything in you is just like, no, I don't want to read the Bible, you're not going to receive it. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to read it with a receiving heart. So give it a week or two and then try to do it. But don't just try to, like, force feed yourself all of a sudden at once. It's like trying to quit, like, smoking cold turkey. Like, I, I don't know what that's like, but I know that, like, I would imagine it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So when did, when would you say, like, your identity, like, your perception of your identity, who you were, when did that start to adjust and change? Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about, like, your old identity versus, like, the renewed identity mm-hmm. that so, Christ was giving you. There wasn't, like, ugh. it all just, it slowly happened over time. Um, like after you were like reading the word and stuff, yeah. did, af- after you talked to Kendra, you gave yourself that week and then you got into the word. Was that yeah. kind of the beginning of, so it really didn't start cause I didn't really know anything about like journaling with mm-hmm. God. I always just like almost like journaled to myself. Mm-hmm. So it was when I started building like sit instead of just like sitting down and like okay i'm gonna read the bible now and reading it like you would read a novel um i sat down and i decided like okay like i'm gonna journal out what like i want to say to god because i've never been one to be able to like sit down and like think my prayers Mm -hmm. and my house is old and not soundproof at all and so like when you're talking you can hear that conversation anywhere in the house Mm -hmm. so it was something very private to me so I found that writing it down really helped so it was when I started doing that daily and seeking after him with everything I like everything that I am was when it really started to work and it started I think it's really started around when I went back to school my junior year Mm -hmm. um I was in KCTC at the time and I had like an hour to myself in the middle of the day just to like hang out, get some food, get over to the building and just, mm-hmm. and I found myself seeking the Lord then and it helped that I was doing it like just in the middle of the world basically. Cause like when you're at school, like you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found myself doing that because it was a break from it. Um, and then you guys asked me to be a part of one heart and I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is huge. Like, I took a couple days to pray about it because I was like, one heart? That's when you have, like, these really, like, big people talking and I'm not a big person. (laughs) Like, (gasps) so that's really when I was like, okay, like, I can't get up in front of a group of people and be a hypocrite and just be like, oh, like, you need to be doing this, this, and this. And Mm -hmm. as I'm doing the opposite, like, I was like, that's not right. So then I started really pushing into the Lord a lot harder than I was um, which is part of the reason why I think One Heart went so well was uh, of how hard I was pushing into God. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I don't push that hard anymore. And I, you know, 100% honest with you guys, like, I don't push as hard as I used to, and I need to get back into it. Um, yeah, so that's a good, I think, part where I want to clarify. My mic was really loud there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to maybe have you talk about the process. Yeah. Because... We go through these moments, especially for you. I mean, you talk about, like, depression. You talk about, like, suicide, almost attempting suicide. You talk yeah. about being in pornography, being sexually assaulted. You, you, Like, you went through it, right? Yeah. 
all the while being in a Christian home where there's this like shame that comes with the struggle. Yeah. And so you got freedom at like 17 years old, maybe 16 years old. So you found freedom, started developing a relationship with Christ. But mm-hmm. now you're in the point where I think a lot of young adults are, not not most, but some young adults are in where it's like you're in the grind, you're in the journey, you're mm-hmm. in the process of of walking it out. Like you got free and now it's like, how do you walk as a free person? Yeah. So I'm not asking you to give an expert opinion. I'm just asking you from your lifestyle, what, yeah. what have you learned through your life of like just going through the process, the journey mm-hmm. of relationship with God? Um, definitely forgiveness. I am reading, uh, who is it? Is it Rick Renner? I'm totally blanking. Uh, mm, John, John Bevere. I think that's his name. The Bait yeah. of Satan. Good book. Um, so my family is like, like that is our book, but I actually have never read it before. And I, my mom is doing a Bible study at the moment where we're going through it and there's like videos that go along with it. Um, and I didn't know what the bait of Satan was. I was just like, Oh, it's sin. No, it's unforgiveness guys. Um, so like currently I'm like, I thought I had like truly forgiven my dad. Um, but I actually haven't because I've like, they go through stuff in the videos of like, this are, these are signs that you have not forgiven someone. And I checked every box and I went, Oh, Mm -hmm. so definitely like getting rid of that baggage of unforgiveness. Like if somebody's wronged you in the past, like I get it. It's really hard to forgive them. It's so hard to forgive them. But if you're like, so for me, if I am able to look at them in the face and say, I forgive you for the way that you touched me when I was 16, like, that's when you've forgiven them. So, um, and I never got a chance to do that to any of the people just because um, some of them were never allowed to talk to me again. And some of them I never saw again after I reported them. Um, but I could, I could, because I sat and like prayed about it. Um, so definitely that. Um, having grace for yourself is definitely a big thing. Like, we're human. That's something we all need to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Jesus died for a reason, but it's not an excuse to be like, oh, well, I can do this because, you know, grace. Like, no. Like, it's understanding that, like, okay, like, yes, I slipped up, and I'm trying to change, and I'm working on it, and every day I get one step closer. But but having grace because you're human and we all slip up. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just see, like, as I'm listening to your story, I'm just, like, seeing the faithfulness of God mm-hmm. for this church girl who is trying so hard. Mm-hmm. I see, even from the time of seven years old, being introduced to sexual content that you don't mm-hmm. have any control over, really. Mm-hmm. And then I see, right, through the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the suicide attempt, sexual assaults. It's like you... The devil was like going after you. Yeah, he goes after some people, but you know sometimes some people have it a little bit harder. A little bit harder. The devil's working a little bit harder than than on others. And I just see even through all that stuff. Like think about like where you could have been. Like like with the things you've been through, and yet God was faithful. Jesus was Mm -hmm. faithful to to meet you at your lowest Mm -hmm. point and not just forgive you so you could go to heaven, but actually Mm -hmm. make you a new person. Yeah. And I could say, I don't know a lot, if you want to make a comment, I remember like the old Abby. Like I remember the youth group <laughs> Abby when she was like 15, yeah. 16. She was so cynical. Like she was so like. <laughs> she was really sassy. Really sassy. She's still sassy, sassy but not it's more as of much. Like, 
a respectful sass, not like a screw you. You yeah. can't tell me what to do. I don't know. I think you might have had a little bit of that in you. Right. There might be I'm a little bit of that left. There might be a little bit. Yeah. No, not anymore. I'm just saying when you were when you were 15, was, 16. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like you were like intimidated me a little bit. I feel like I was like. I, I think don't know. I was scared too. <laughs> I got like a thrill off of that, like just intimidating people. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm cool. Like, no, really, yeah. sit down. <laughs> no, but I just, you know, as Alana and I have been, you know, we were we were your youth group leaders. Yeah. We saw the transformation. Oh yeah! As soon as you switched friend Jesus. groups, like, oh yeah, it was, it was like a dramatic change and just like how you inter, like how you were and how you mm-hmm. held yourself and like the intentionality you did with like connecting with Kendra yeah. and like being open to new friend groups and it you know I think they switched a little bit but you were able to kind of find a group for a while yeah and I don't doubt that maybe in the future you guys will reconnect or whatever but the fact that you were just like you switch friend groups and you allow the Lord to kind of lead you and to walk with you through that and Mm -hmm. so it was really cool to see well and Kendra actually looked at me one day and said Abby I'm gonna be 100% honest with you you are not fun to be around and I was like, classic Kendra. Excuse me? <laughs> she goes, you just gossiped the, like for an hour and a half. She was like, I wanted to know about you, not your friends. Wow. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. She was like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to make it for a minute. And I was like, oh, Kendra. And she was like, yeah. But you did. And I was like. You got to surround yourself with leaders who will call you out like that. That's true. It's so helpful. That mm-hmm. was like just the softest punch ever from Kendra, <laughs> you know. So she's so like, kind. But <laughs> right. So she said it with a smile on her face. She definitely did. <laughs> and she might have chuckled at the end, too. She did. She giggled a little bit. And at first, I was like a little offended, but I was like, no, she's right. Like, I need to calm down and get over myself and understand that I was in a bad spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's just, it's just so cool to hear your story and just to see the faithfulness of God mm-hmm. through all those all those situations and to know that you're not like his like we rally like my story isn't finished like your story isn't finished like there's so much more ahead for you there's so many more Mm -hmm. young girls who have been what you've been through Mm -hmm. that need to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel there is a savior there Mm -hmm. is a god who can rescue them and i'm just thrilled that you were bold enough to come and share your story with Mm -hmm. us i know that's not easy yeah for sure Mm-hmm. Yeah, we appreciate you, and we're proud of you, and we're excited to see where God is going to lead you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the Access Podcast with Abby Goon and Elan Koseki. Until <laughs> next time, adios. See ya. Bye.